Star Wars 7x7 episode 1969. Today, it's a Mandalorian briefing. We're talking about the episode The Sin. This is chapter 3 in season 1. And actually, there are quite a lot of sins referenced in this episode. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. So, the sin. Alright, first of all, this is a full spoiler episode for The Mandalorian Chapter 3, so if you've not seen it and don't want it spoiled for you, then save this episode for a later date. But if you are okay with me spoiling the episode for you, then let's dive in. First of all, as far as this episode goes, this is the one where the wheels really hit the road, where the rubber hits the road, where we start tearing up asphalt. Yeah, and you could really summarize the episode very quickly in that Mandalorian turns over baby, Mandalorian regrets turning over baby, Mandalorian takes baby, and chaos ensues. Now, sin is a particularly freighted word. It's not just about doing something wrong, it's about doing something morally wrong, like a real big deal. So the fact that the Mandalorian has violated the Bounty Hunter Code by asking after the fate of the baby, to say nothing of him actually taking the baby, these are not sins, right? These are just transgressions. These are violations of a man slash, you know, species slash sentient being created code. And that's not the sin we're talking about. So the sin that we're talking about is kind of twofold. Number one, it's the Mandalorian giving the baby up to the Empire. And it's also a reflection about the sins of the Empire that were committed against the entirety of the galaxy. But in this very particular case, what is going to be perpetrated against the baby, and also what has been perpetrated against the people of Mandalore. And the sins of the Empire against Mandalore are causing a bit of friction within the Mandalorian community, which we discover is not just the armorer and the Mandalorian. And yes, we've seen somebody else who may or may not be wearing Boba Fett's armor kicking around someplace too. But the first time that the Mandalorian went down into that Mandalorian place and got the new pauldron for himself, we didn't see other Mandalorians. We saw people running around, or we didn't see other people in Mandalorian armor. This time, we do. We actually see quite a few of them. And what's more is that they are challenging, in particular one character is challenging the Mandalorian's association with people from the Empire. This person who's doing it is voiced by Jon Favreau, who is of course the creator and writer of The Mandalorian, but also notably was the voice of a character named Pre Vizsla in the Clone Wars series of House Vizsla in the Mandalorian culture, and even though it doesn't say it outright in the credits, there's a mention of a stunt double who's played by an MMA guy, Tate Fletcher, but the character's name is Paz Vizsla, and it's spelled wrong, like there's an S missing, so it's, or maybe it's not spelled wrong, maybe it's spelled the way they want it spelled, and it's just one letter off from the traditional spelling that we know from the Clone Wars, but it seems to suggest that this character, who is referred to as Heavy Infantry in the closed captions for this episode, is a descendant of 
pre-Vizsla and a member of House Vizsla. Now, going back to the Mandalorians and the Empire, you could make the case from a moral perspective that the reason why the Mandalorian is choosing to work for the Empire at this particular moment has to do with the fact that they have this Beskar. It's not just Beskar, but it's also imprinted with an Imperial logo. And it's stuff that was stolen from the Mandalorians in the Great Purge, we are told, so his efforts on behalf of former Empire people are really just to get this Beskar back. Yes, maybe there are other ways to do it, but this is how he's choosing to do it. So there is a bit of moral calculus that seems to be being done. However, he starts to have misgivings about that, as we see in his exchange with Grief Cargo when he says, you know, why is the Empire here? What are they doing? Grief has to tell him, you know, the Empire doesn't exist, and it's just mercenaries and warlords, which is in... I think that's going to be ultimately a reference to Giancarlo Esposito's character, Moff Pandian, who we're going to see. Is it Moff Pandian? Ah, oh, shucks. Now I don't remember. Nah, I'm thinking of somebody from the books. It's Moff Gideon is what it's supposed to be. Anyway, so you would presume that Moff Gideon is one of these warlords that is being talked about by Grief Karga in this case. But he says to the Mandalorian, if you got a problem, you can always go to the core and report it to the New Republic. And he responds with, that's a joke. Which is kind of interesting because the New Republic has been established for a few years now. So if he's calling it a joke, that seems really strange. And yet, at the same time, one of the things that we know, at least, you know, about the initial time period after the overthrow of the Galactic Empire is that the there were certain core worlds that were ceded to a failed imperial state, and we don't necessarily know what's happened since then. Many years have passed. We don't necessarily know what the state of the broader galactic government looks like at this point, and maybe that's something we're going to learn in future episodes or future seasons of The Mandalorian, but certainly we don't have a grasp on it now, and it doesn't seem like it really fits into where the series is going to really explain to us what the broader galactic picture looks like. So ultimately, the Mandalorian makes the dangerous choice to rescue the baby and escape. This is something that was seeded throughout the episode from the moment that the Mandalorian said, hey, careful with that, to the stormtrooper who grabbed the baby carriage as they were walking in, to him asking Werner Herzog about what his intentions were with the baby, which Herzog immediately says, uh, this is against the code, and so you know we're in trouble already. And it only gets worse from there when he asks Grief Karga what's going to happen, and he starts complaining about the Empire, and he has the exchange with the heavy infantry, excuse me, slash pause Vizsla in the Mandalorian covert. Yeah, this is telegraphed all through the episode, and it's just a matter of what is going to be the final thing that pushes him over the edge, and it's a beautiful little moment with the knob on the control lever from his ship, so it is exceedingly well done. And related to that, I wanted to have a word or two with you about Deborah Chow, the director of this episode, which we will do after the break. Stay tuned. Hey Rebel Razor, I've made some changes to the asteroid belt level at patreon.com SW7X7 and they are all with sponsors in mind. So if you want to get the word out about your business, your product, your service to a dedicated Star Wars audience, then please check out patreon.com SW7X7 and look for the asteroid belt level for details. Again, that's patreon.com SW7X7. Welcome back. 
So Deborah Chow is getting a lot of kudos on social media and well-deserved. She is the first female director of a live-action Star Wars story. And I'm not saying well-deserved because she's the first female director. I mean, that's fantastic. But I'm saying well-deserved because it is a well-directed episode and she deserves the kudos for the directing job that she did. It's close quarters combat and open field combat action scenes that were fantastically done. And I think the thing that I appreciated most about this episode was the Mandalorian's acting, Pedro Pascal's acting, which, you know, there's not a lot you can do with a helmet, with no expressions whatsoever. And this puts me in mind of C-3PO and R2-D2 and how you have to have a certain physicality to your acting to be able to convey emotion. And Pedro Pascal has expressed this in this episode in a way that I would say he didn't yet in the first two chapters of The Mandalorian. And if that's because Deborah Chow got that out of him, then that's even more awesome. So, you know, big tip of the hat to Deborah Chow for her work on this episode of The Mandalorian. And, you know, there were a lot of other wonderful touches too. Like, I love the scene where all the tracking fobs start activating one after the other after the other. And <laughs> you see, oh gosh, this is really going to get bad for the Mandalorian. Like, that sense of foreboding and foreshadowing is just fantastic. So, um, yeah, there you go. We're going to talk about the Mandalorian more over the next few days. But for now, that is going to do it for this episode in our briefing on The Mandalorian Chapter 3. Thank you so much for joining me for it, as always, and may the Force be with you wherever in the Parsec you may be. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other related Star Wars items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the Force be with them. All original content is copyright 2019 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.